Welcome to the Desire Triptych. Desire Triptych. Desire Triptych. Hello. Hi. Welcome back to Life of Bi. You're tuning in to the third and final episode of our Desire Triptych. So if this is the first you've heard of a Desire Triptych, highly recommend going back the last four episodes because we've been alternating Mm, to catch the episodes one and two. Yes. Um, Crucial listening. So the reason we've been doing the Desire Triptych Mm -hmm. is because we had a very lovely question from a listener called Hyacinth who asked us this. As a non-binary person, I often wonder the role that gender identity or even energy plays in attraction. I feel like something often unspoken in conversations about sexuality is the complexity of attempting to transcend gender binaries while still attaching binary language to attraction. I'm curious what people are finding attractive. Gender identity, gender expression or performance, or just people's physical bodies, or even all of the above. And to answer Hyacinth's question, today, we're going to be talking to Ella. Yeah, I think. I never really thought too deeply into it. I just kind of find myself attracted to people who I am attracted to. So if you were going to get all the people you've been attracted to, or had sex with, or fancied, or kissed in a room, what would that room look like? (laughs) There'd be a few boys in there, mm-hmm. um, a few celebrities in there. <laughs> how, how like specific do you want me to get? However specific you want to go. Cool. So there's people like roughly around my age, um, roughly around my height. Um, mm, kind of all races as well. Um, but I think they all really do have the same kind of like personality quality. A lot of them are creatives as well. The majority of them are creatives. Um, the majority of them are female. Yeah. Ella uses she, her pronouns and identifies as queer. But people often assume she's gay, even when she tells them she's not. <laughs> <laughs> I really like the way that you phrased that question. Um, like imagining all the people you fancied in a room. Yes. Because it does help you like visualise. It kind of reminds me of, you know... Um, you know, Nintendo Wii. Yes. Uh, in the room the where Mies. you had all your Mies, you could line them up based on like what colour they were wearing. Oh my God. Or, you know. That's a great analogy. <laughs> I think it is a way around the type of question. Cause I think often if you ask people when, if they have a type, mm. people sometimes think it's a bit embarrassing to have a type. So they say no. Yes. But then if you ask if, you know, if you were going to get everybody in a room, what are the trends? Yeah. Then you often realise that like there are trends. Yeah, what's the centre of the Venn diagram yeah. of all the people? It doesn't have to promise a future, but it does tell a story of the past. <laughs> yes, absolutely. <laughs> so Ella's never really been fussed about putting a label on her sexuality, but a lot of other people have tried to do it for her. I think for me, the only time I really ever thought about my sexuality was when I was 18, because I was actually outed. And I deeped that the other day. And I think for me, I'm so 
I don't know, I don't know if chill is that even the right word I would use to describe myself, but I was just so like unbothered. And I think that's a lie. I was angry actually because I wasn't in school when it would happen when it was happening, so I didn't I was ill or something. It was a girl in school, like okay, backstory. <laughs> so backstory. I was at a New Year's Eve party and I ended up like kissing a guy that was in my year. And my sixth form was really small. Mm. So it obviously it went around. I must have caught a cold or the flu or something. So I didn't go back to school. And then I got a call from my friend saying, oh, this girl has been saying that you're a lesbian. Um, and whatever, whatever. And I was like, okay. Um, so I like sat with that for a bit and I was just like, I'm angry. I'm very angry. Why am I angry? And I deeped I was angry because it wasn't the fact that I was outed is what I was outed as. I wasn't. I didn't have a choice in the way in which she outed me. Mm. I didn't have a choice in, well, obviously I was outed, but I didn't have a choice in the label, like someone else prescribed that label on me. And that's when, that's the only time in my life I ever really sat down and thought about my sexuality. And I was like, I'm not a lesbian, then what am I? I didn't feel bi, I didn't feel pansexual, I didn't feel, I didn't feel gay. I was like, I don't, definitely didn't feel straight. So I had no idea what that was and then that's the only time I sat down and then after that I kind of came out as I think I came out as bi and then for me personally the only label that really fits me is queer I do think this like story just exemplifies the fact that like you know she'd gotten with a guy mm. and then the first thing that happened was that a girl's running out around school being like you know basically policing her actions which like yeah. she shouldn't be getting with a guy because she's gay Yeah, and there's this like um from such a young age this like pressure from the people around you for you to pigeonhole yourself mm -hmm. when you're not ready to and I think like there's just like no room made for nuance when we're thinking about like Hyacinth's question I think it can be quite hard like when it comes when it's sort of like because it sometimes trips into how you identify sexually mm. but even those labels that we've given ourselves is I think sometimes like a survival tactic yeah in a world which really needs you to decide really wants you to be yeah. specific yeah but it is also fair to say that for ella women do make up the majority of the room of people yeah, that yeah, she's yeah. attracted to so we did want her to expand a bit yeah i don't know i get it sounds awful to say sure. i guess just the way that they look and if I kind of vibe with the way that they look, what are you pointing at me? But what are you pointing at me? Why are we so specific? This is why fine, fine, fine. we have to. Fine. I'm We're here to get beyond the everyday. It's <laughs> okay if it's not like the work clear Yeah, all work. I, okay, I guess in terms of the type of woman, I'm a lot more attracted to femme women. Um, honestly, though, I think that is about it. Like, mm. There's no kind of like I can't really pinpoint what it is about a person. I just know that I'm more attracted to femme women. Mm. Hopefully, people that are a bit shorter than me. Um, yeah. Okay, so that also sounds like being attracted to a desired relationship dynamic. I know. So <laughs> what is that? So that is being attracted to, like, who you could be in a relationship mm -hmm. as well. It's not like a, a dominance thing or, like, I hate when you're in a same-sex relationship and it's like, okay, so who's the man? Who's the woman kind of vibe? It's not that. And I've been in situations before where people outside of the relationship have been like, oh, but you're the guy. And I'm like, absolutely not. 
Ella is totally right. Like it, it unfortunately is very common to be like, who wears the trousers in the relationship? Yeah, who wears the pants? Yeah. But uh, one would assume that that is like a lazy straight assumption because that's a question often asked of het couples too yeah. right yeah and sometimes like she wears the trousers exactly yeah. i was about to say like part of the Witch. part of the fun <laughs> yeah in like a heterosexual presenting relationship is like undermining that but there's also um i was reading this thing by um it really reminded me first of like butch femme lesbian relationships that were like the most that was sort of how that was like a big trend in the 40s and 50s and after really? a bit of research yeah in the 40s and 50s yeah oh you know what that does make sense to me it's a post-war thing yes because i've i'm reminded of the well of loneliness which i did the yeah. audiobook for and that's very much like mm-hmm. um a betrayal of lesbianism and where, if you'd watched league of their own yeah really plays with that so one dynamic like it's Butch. not how everybody presented. Yeah. So Joan Nessel, so I found this woman called Joan Nessel. Yeah. Um, who was talking about this from, from her own experience. Sure. Um, but she was saying not all lesbians at the time were in butch femme relationships, but it was like the most visible kind of a lesbian relationship. Because right. say you're two femme women walking around. Yeah. That's not as... Um, like people aren't going to clock necessarily that people that's don't queer. read you yeah so yeah. she's talking about it as like a political statement but she also calls it quite a crucial part of our erotic heritage and the reason she's reclaiming it mm. is i think that like butch femme dynamic i think is can be like quite undermined by like the modern queer right. because it's seen to be like assuming heterosexual roles yeah. in a queer relationship as if that's yeah. Like the imagination can't stretch far enough yeah. to an actual queer dynamic between two people. So it's like seen to be sticking to a tradition. That does, like, doesn't reside in power. And yeah. what she's trying to do is like reclaim it. She was like, it's not trying to fit in. Mm. It's the absolute opposite because you stick out like a sore thumb. Yeah. And also she just talks about it so beautifully. She says um, the butch fam relationship is part of our erotic, an erotic partnership serving both as a conspicuous flag of rebellion and as an intimate exploration of women's sexuality. And then she goes on to say, um, butch femme relationships, as I experienced them, were complex erotic statements, not phony heterosexual replicas. Mm. They were filled with a deeply lesbian language of Mm. stance, dress, gesture, loving, courage, and autonomy. Mm. Butches were women who were willing to identify their passion for other women by wearing clothes that symbolised the taking of responsibility. Mm. Part of this responsibility was sexual expertise. In the 1950s, this courage to feel comfortable with arousing another woman became a political act. Wow. Obviously, disclaimer, it's talking very, it's talking about um, cis women a lot there. Yeah. And I think there's been a journey about like butch lesbians and how that crosses over with a history of trans people. Yeah. But yeah, for now we're talking about yeah. So really what she's saying is that rather than reinforcing a kind of heteronormative way of looking at relationships, you're almost they're almost doing like an infiltrating thing and in the act they're queering that. Mm. What Ella's saying, mm-hmm. interestingly, about like being attracted to femme, I just heard echoes of that erotic heritage basically. Yeah. And like I felt like Ella was squirming at the idea of admitting <laughs> that that was a thing. Yeah. That totally. she might want that dynamic yeah because i think because i think it's been um derided now yeah it feels like a less modern 
it feels yeah. less modern. So people are maybe less likely to say that that's what they want. Yeah, but I think it's a really important part of attraction. It does come down to this, um, this sort of naturally seeking like a like a balance or a duality mm. of like power or responsibility. Mm. Yeah. So, for example, like an SM relationship yes. is something that really leans into the fact that there is a power dynamic there, mm. and that's like integral. To how enjoyable it is. Yeah, it's integral to the erotics. Exactly. The erotics of that is all about the hierarchy and status. Yes. And so I was also then thinking, tracking back to what Ella was, when Ella mm-hmm. was describing her room. Yeah. She said that like majority were women, but she also said they were all roughly the same height. And Which then in is that, such a specific thing to say. Yeah. And then just then she was like, you know, my height or, or smaller. In terms of the height thing... Never really thought about that properly. <laughs> I won't lie to you, but I am attracted to people who are shorter or the same height as me. Um, I think it's more of a. I don't want to seem. I don't know if I'm with someone who's taller than me. It just kind of feels could feel like I'm younger or more fragile or more vulnerable Mm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. which i think is obviously my own stuff has nothing to do with them you grow how you grow like i said oh i deserve to be taller i'm a great person i should be taller than i am i feel like Um, i think of but just for the record i think of both of you as tall people we are you are like externally you're spiritually (laughs) tall like when you said earlier you're five foot four i was like no she's not possible She's 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 monumental. <laughs> no, sadly. Well, I'm, yeah. you're both very tall in my head. I have the Thank same you. thing. I would prefer I prefer smaller or the same height. Mm. I think you never thought about it. Quite a lot smaller is also good sometimes. Really? really? I, think. Mm. Mm. I think I want to be a small. I think I think it's because I am big. So you want to be tall the and big, so one. sometimes I want to be the smaller one. <laughs> it's pretty revealing isn't it sometimes listening to the statements you've made we interviewed Ella like a few months ago yeah. sometimes you hear yourself back and you're like do I think that yeah and I've just been sitting true? here being like do I agree with what I just said but I think it is true that when I'm like relating to anyone I am sort of thinking about my size relative to them whether they're bigger or smaller than me regardless of whether it's some romantic um no, I do mean romantically yeah. or in like a flirting session. Yes, yes, session. yes. Flirting <laughs> session. In my that, flirting session. I think that I really do. reveals your approach to the game. <laughs> in a flirting sense. Is in what a match. I mean. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, a bit of back and forth repartee. Um, I think I am aware of like myself physically and how I map onto them. I think also because I'm a bigger person. I'm probably like, I, it definitely was born from self-consciousness in the past. But I don't necessarily think it's like positive or, positive or negative. You just can't help thinking how your body is like relating in a space to another person. Mm. But I don't think I prefer it one way or the other. I, I'm i just sort of like noting mm-hmm. that fact. Yeah. I think it's really tempting. Again, we we've got this thing, you know, like, 
hyacinth artists, artists to think beyond the binaries mm -hmm. and even when we're thinking beyond the binaries of gender other binaries yes. do slip in which is exactly. like big tall. and small yeah i do remember when i was living in south london there was this couple that used to be walk around elephant and castle right and he was one of the tallest people i'd ever seen <laughs> and she was one of the smallest I think and i, I regularly have, think yeah. about them in terms of like how they met if that was like a thing that they mm. bonded over was that they were both unusual in height yeah. depending on in either direction and that's interesting because there is that sort of much much leaned on phrase opposites attract yes which is like often used in an emotional sense or like you know personality sense but is it true physically because we've been thinking a lot about um sameness yes in other interviews yeah well with marco we're talking about like when you're where you're your erotic development like being mapped onto your self-development so like yes. who what you allow yourself to be affects who you can be with totally um, well said but then but then i can't help but like um think of like the yin and yang philosophy mm. that like the image of the whole yes with two opposites with a little bit of each other in each mm -hmm. i do think is like just one of the most beautiful symbols i would obviously never get it tattooed on myself <laughs> but i do think it is a really beautiful symbol about that works so well for so many things like how nature works mm -hmm. and also i've begun to think about how relationships work i do think there might be an attraction like we also talk about you know people say you know they complete me or you've said before on this podcast it was like the feeling of two people meeting is like like a yes. puzzle <laughs> My fitting together yeah. Like there's an element of, there is an element of like two parts that make sense. Match and not match, not match because they look identical, match because they're different. Yeah. Like how two puzzle pieces fit together or yeah. like how the yin and yang sim symbol works. Yeah. Um, like you can't complete someone by being the same. Mm. Completing something is to sort of like fill fill in the gaps yeah fill in the gaps kind of do you feel that in your own relationships and especially as you're branching out of <laughs> this is yeah what? <laughs> what? no no i just love the sort of dancing <laughs> you like know what you want to ask me but you're having to ask it in this really like um meandering yeah, podcast like suitable yeah. way yeah <laughs> go on um ask me ask me ask me how is well well how is who you fancy changed well when we did this interview i said shorter yeah shorter or the same height which was was for the same reason the well the lazy thing that eros is the same height yeah so that's one thing i sometimes think we're very unimaginative about like who we want yeah and like the last person i'd fancied was smaller and i was like well this is must be a pattern and i yeah you'd I, often spoken about to me about the fact that you've only fancied people who were like a bit small like smaller. Bit smaller it has actually you. often been a thing yeah because of the power, I think, of it. Because um, you want to be powerful. Yeah, I think I do want to be powerful. Yeah, I think you are powerful. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> but then recently, the person I fancy at the moment, one of many, is much taller than me. Pretty, pretty tall. And I, that came as a surprise to me, which is interesting in itself, because like, why? You were pigeonholing yourself. Almost. not enough to not embrace it yeah do you know like, what i mean but, but some people well we've spoken about this before 
some people would write off people straight away if they didn't think they were their type. Yeah. Like Love Island people. We've spoken about that in past episodes as well. I think I'm always, in terms of like physicality, I always, I'm tempted, like I'm always looking for a pattern. Yeah. And I almost always land back on the thing that I really don't have a physical type because when I think about my room, Mm. really there is nothing. And as soon as there seems to be a trend, the next thing that happens is the trend is completely flunked. Yeah, yeah. Hey, listener. You might have noticed that there are no adverts on this podcast. That's because Life of Bi is an independent podcast supported by you, the listener. For the price of a cup of coffee or a pint of beer a month, you can get involved. We're at patreon.com forward slash life of buy. Every single donation we get thrills us to bits and means that we can think about a future of doing this podcast for longer. Maybe even one day being sustained by some art that we do. (laughs) Imagine! (laughs) Impossible! Thank you so much if you've already donated and we're excited to meet you if you're about to join us. Bye. So the real question is, <laughs> why do we even ask ourselves this shit? Like, does any of it even matter? Like, why do we care about type? Do we think this is useful information to know about ourselves, guys? Honestly, does it make a difference whether or not you know it in a way that you can articulate? No. 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 Because really, you're just faced with the reality of someone. Mm-hmm. And I I would never... What I hate is like that Love Island thing where you close yourself off to other opportunities because you say, I have this type. So uh, why are we here? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, do you not think it's useful? Um, well, this is the thing. You just We just go back and forth on this so much. And it is at this point where we sort of realised that the wheels were coming off the argument. Yeah, this was so... We interviewed Ella. We did actually interview Ella last. Yeah. So this was the third interview. We'd asked enough people this question. I think that's why the interview sort of started to devolve into sort of like meta conversation. Because <laughs> we're like, what are we even pursuing here? Like, why? Why? Why is that important to know? Mm. Because I do think when somebody absolutely refuses, like if you ask a question like what's your type? And the answer is, I don't have one. Mm. Or like, I don't think about stuff like that. I sometimes think that is like, okay, in blunt mode, the stupidest answer. <laughs> or like the least interesting. I'm like, just because, well, we we live off this. Just because it's a dumb question with a not a straightforward <laughs> answer doesn't mean it's not worth trying to answer. Yeah, And there's a sort of like fake, um, I think there's a sort of like, um, false like wisdom and being like I just don't think about stuff like that mm. and it's like actually that's that's not that's not smart there's lots of stuff to know about yourself yeah it's reductive and it's not very self-interrogatory because if you did actually look at the people you probably would find a pattern yeah and it's and it's something to it's just a, a field of which there's like learning about yourself in the mm. same way self-reflection in any part of your life does bring information whether or not that, like nobody's saying that information is concrete. You might resi- you might arrive at a conclusion like I did about shorter and then immediately realise that's not true. Mm. That doesn't mean that that's worth nothing. Like I don't think, I think, yeah, I'm just like, that's a, it's a false wisdom to, it's a false, it's an illusion of wisdom to be like, yeah, I just like, mm. I just don't think about it. It's just not really something I think about. It's like, well, maybe you should. <laughs> <laughs> 
Or like, if, say you said to someone, like, so why do you think all the other relationships end so badly? And you're like, I just, I just don't really think about it. Yeah. It's like, well, mm, dumbass. <laughs> <laughs> so quite quickly, we did a 180 and then we're disagreeing with ourselves again. I think it is useful to know. I think it's useful to, when you discover anything about yourself, I think it's really useful to bank it and then see if you... If it is like, if it trickles into being a bit like toxic, challenge yourself. Mm. Just so you know these things about yourself, I think are so invaluable. So like literally just having all these revelations that I've had now, I'm just like, wow, I've never thought about why I am attracted to someone that's shorter than me. But don't you dare ever close off an opportunity because of that. It just doesn't make any sense, really. Mm. Um, but knowing that about myself is, is interesting information. Yeah. Um, and also like what you were saying about... I think when I was younger as well, there was never any articulation. There was no words. There was no other labels besides like gay or bisexual. I just knew I was attracted to this person. I never really thought about their gender. Sometimes it's seeing something in yourself in another person and you think, I like the version of myself that I am around you because I am I'm playful around you. Yeah. Or I'm gentle around you. Um... Yeah. And then also, I think that is sometimes why, at the moment at least, I feel like I'm attracted to femme women because in that situation, I would want to be more mask. So that's what that attraction is saying about something I desire in myself mm. that I don't have right now. So again here, like what you just said. Mm. Um, Wasn't it beautiful? was beautiful. <laughs> Thank you. But it was also like we're talking again, sort of what Ella was saying about there's an attraction to a relationship dynamic. Yes. Which really made me think, I know, oh my God, I bring her up all the time. Yeah. And I've actually bring, brought up this specific bit of this specific <laughs> TED talk before, but yep. in Esther Perel's video on why we cheat, she talks, she expands on this idea of like seeking newness or difference in other person. Mm -hmm. Priya's affair is about the adolescence that she never had. And her story highlights for me that when we seek the gaze of another, it isn't always our partner that we are turning away from, but the person that we have ourselves become. And it isn't so much that we're looking for another person as much as we are looking for another self. So if attraction is a way of like finding things out about yourself yeah. or seeking parts of yourself that haven't yet been uncovered, then it's really important that you leave the doors open f to like surprise yourself, mm. to give yourself some variety. Yeah. I think you, I think it's this thing of like how you hold, you might realise something about yourself. Like I don't think, I mean, leave the door wide open. That doesn't mean there has to be no interrogation. Uh -huh. Because, yeah, you can arrive at something you know about yourself mm. and you can hold it softly. Yeah. Like, I always have this image of like, I actually don't know if I've stolen this or not, but like if a fact is like a pebble, it's like whether do you, do you hold that lightly? Do you hold it with your hand soft or do you grip it really hard? And I think there's so much about like discovering ourselves where it's like really useful to be like, oh, this pebble, I'm struck by this thing or this pattern I've just seen, yes. but I'm still gonna, I'm gonna hold it with a soft hand because I'm aware that 
I might drop that pebble. And you might find another one. Or I might look down and it's turned into a shell. <laughs> you know? But so there's no... But that doesn't mean that discover the discovery itself was wrong. Like, yeah, and like Hyacinth's question is really fascinating and it's like it's caused us to think so much about who we're attracted to and, and what shapes that and also these three people. Mm. And I would say there's nothing that like line of inquiry is like very fruitful. Yeah, and it also reminds me of um I think this is also someone else's idea but I haven't, I can't remember who it was, but it's about how multiple things can be true at the same time. Yeah. And the quote I'm thinking of is about the sea and there are two truths about the sea that are seemingly mutually destructive and mm-hmm. it's that it is constantly changing and it's always the same. I also think, you know, this is Life of Bi and I think like, as we talked about before, like confusion as a sort of key bisexual trait it's like mm. a very like big stereotype <laughs> yeah but there's no there should be no stress about something you know about yourself being disproved that is part of the game yeah. like it should be possible to be to have your idea of yourself totally flipped upside down and to be and this, to not be unsettling or yeah. worrying like i think because we live in a culture like in the outing story where you're required to know mm. the idea of having what you think you know about yourself shaken therefore becomes like can even be like quite traumatic mm. but that is and this is what and this was what th- made me think of um like my sexuality is only fluid because i live in a culture which decides that it needs rigidity there's mm. no reason there would be no reason to define my sexuality unless the culture required me to mm. there's no reason for ella to ever tell anyone like what like who she fancies but one of her earliest memory like an early memory at school is somebody telling her she's a lesbian Mm. like that's what the culture does it's like fucking decide who you are and then that makes the shifting of our own attraction an unnerving thing and it makes something like knowing your type a comforting thing what you're saying about um about your fluidity really reminds me of um a travis alla banzer quote from their book none of the above um and i'll just read it out to you it's it speaks for itself really i won't say anything else (laughs) i believe my transness is a reactionary fact not an innate one i am trans because the world made me so not because i was born different I am trans because the systems the world operates through force me to be so, not because of genetics. I am trans because of you, not because of me. I did not always know, because I once imagined a world where I would not have to know. More than this, I believe that others may only be so very cis because the world is forcing the same reaction from them. So, So, (laughs) to finish this desire triptych, I think we should just bandy that question Mm. back at each other. So, Elle, (laughs) um, yeah, what do you think shapes your attraction, if not gender, beyond the gender binary? So many things. (laughs) So many things that change day to day, depending on how I'm feeling even about myself on that given day. Mm -hmm. Because if what we're saying about 
um, attraction to difference and sameness. Mm. What's exciting about that is that you are never the same yes. either. So even if I'm thinking of oppositions of what I'm attracted to, so if I'm big, do I want something small? Mm. Some days I don't feel so big, you know? Yeah. Some days I feel smaller, um, not just physically. Um, some days I feel more mask. Some days I feel more femme. But again... I'm falling into that binary language trap. Yes, yes. But I feel... I feel like you're never one thing in the binary, so the binary itself can be fluid. Because <laughs> <laughs> what I'm saying is that day-to-day, -day, that changes. Yeah. Is this making any sense? It's a very... Um, it's very difficult to talk about, isn't it? I always get the image when we're trying to ask, ask, answer this question of like a, a dog doing loops before sitting down. Yes. I don't think we're ever going to get to sit down. No. I just think we're going to be looping forever Yeah, in pursuit of the answer of this. That's well put. I have come to think, I'm about to second guess myself here because I, I'm really leaning towards this thing of like the yin and yang, mm -hmm. answering what you're saying, which is like, you can change, but in some way you might always be seeking an answer, like a call and response mm -hmm. to something about who you are in somebody else. So there's like a balance like in the same way that like an environment will fight to balance itself from various things, overpopulation or whatever, mm. nature tries to create balance. Yeah, I feel like my attraction at least is about mm. creating balance. Yeah. And that's why it changes so much because obviously as you change, exactly. you're looking for different things. But, but the thing that's remaining constant there is like an answer to who you are. Yeah. And that might be and so I do think there is always an element of exciting difference mm. even if it's a small one but I do think that is what draws people together but then also why the yin and yang image is so good is the little bit bits of each other that you share yeah there is sameness mm. and difference in the same thing that's what makes yeah. it work yeah on that though what I'm describing there is like the yin yang symbol is like harmony mm. i'm talking about nature harmony and balance mm. and i've been listening um well because of like polyamory studies <laughs> my independent polyamory <laughs> studies i am like thinking a lot about like attachment styles mm. and what i'm describing is like so what i would like a stable healthy relationship yeah searching easily. for something that's actually like good yeah. for you and that, which i haven't yeah. done throughout my life and when you when you're when you don't when you're not settled in yourself, you're more likely to seek chaos in yeah. other people. That's what I've definitely done before. And also that idea of balance easily can easily slip into an unhealthy idea of balance, which is a form of codependency. Yeah. Where you need someone to complete you. Yeah. That's an unhealthy form of like supposed balance. Yeah. And I think something about where I am right now is like rather than I used to seek people I used to be attracted to people who were slightly running away from me mm. as I've grown older and I must I must be happier in myself or think I'm more deserving of love yeah because now if somebody's into me I respond to that really well yeah rather than instantly going off them yeah well you must be stupid if you want to be with me that yeah kind of thing and the energy comes from the matching 
rather than an energy sure. coming from the chasing. Sure, yeah. But in either in either in both scenarios, yeah, that's interesting. We haven't spoken about that, and I think that is actually a good example of why these things are useful. Mm. Like it is a useful question to ask because who attracted to or if say say if you had a really distinct relationship pattern mm. where you often went after the same type of person or yeah. someone who wasn't interested in you or that was sort of like the loop you were in mm. without stopping and acknowledging that and maybe being like maybe this doesn't make me feel so good how are you meant to break the pattern yeah evolve mm. like i think it's really i think it's probably very healthy to not have a set pattern and I think the only way to reach that is by self-interrogation. If you're not mm. thinking about this stuff, about who you're attracted to, you are, I would say you're more at risk of like blindly falling into the same thing again mm. and, and, and almost like not progressing in terms of who you are in relationships. And what you want from them too. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I guess drawing on that, the fact that, we'll never get to the bottom of this. We never spoke about that dynamic. And also about like the changeability of ourselves day to day. And also the strange phenomenon about recording a podcast where you listen to yourself, have a conversation with someone, expressing what you believe on that day, <laughs> what you believe about your desire on that day. Yeah. Proves to me how changeable it is because I can't promise that I won't listen back to this next month and feel completely differently. Yeah, yeah. And that's kind of brilliant. Yeah. <laughs> thanks so much for listening to our desire triptych it's been a complete pleasure yeah what a journey and can we just say a big thank you to rob marco and ella for being so honest with us and so generous and um, with their time um, and of course to hyacinth yes our, the patron do we say patron supporter our patron I the don't know. patron saint the patron saint who asked us this question and supports us on patreon yeah and this is just a moment to encourage any of you out there listening to this podcast who really like it to join hyacinth in becoming one of our patrons that's how we're supporting this podcast it means the world to us and it also gives you an avenue um to tell us your thoughts or like ask us more questions i would love to do another listener inspired mm. many more listener inspired episodes because um your guys questions and feedback is like yeah is everything yeah and it really makes us feel like there are people listening and responding and that is really exciting because ultimately we are just sitting in my bedroom <laughs> talking to each other um this is our penultimate episode before the new year oh, wow next up was going to be our um christmas special which we're hopefully going to on Christmas Eve we think it will be Christmas Eve if you've enjoyed this podcast please give us a juicy five star rating oh yeah yeah on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or wherever it really helps one more shout out is to um, <laughs> um, L guys who's going to be in a panto on the 16th 17th and 18th of December at the Shipwright in Deptford yeah playing <laughs> Cat. Captain Hook. Captain Hook. It's going to be iconic. So if you happen to live in London, particularly South London, pop along yeah. and see him. It's going to be really good. Turns out I've been waiting my whole life to play this role. Who knew? All right, we must wrap up and get going. Goodbye. I'm hungry. Bye. Hold up. 
Life of Bi was made, edited and hosted by us, Al Potter and Mary Higgins. Sound design and production by Tom Foskett Barnes. Funded by you, the listener, with thanks to Ella. I just want to say... It ain't over till the bisexual speech.